I want to watch Snowfall. Hulu, anyone? You are locked on fantasy basketball. Your daily fantasy basketball podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at LockedOnFantasyBasketball. Quick reminder, before the season begins, you can support this show over on Patreon at Patreon.com slash RedRock underscore Beeble. We have two tiers over there. The uh, the higher tier gives you two, week, uh, two monthly mailbag exclusive shows and also some pre-game shows uh, when the regular season starts, also giving you all the latest information for DFS and for lineup setting purposes. Your last week was mock draft week. We have now done eight mock drafts for the podcast. I'll probably do one more before the season begins. NBA preseason has begun. I'm not going to cover preseason news today. We're going to do a preseason show in a couple of days during this week. Michael Bolton, he's here. Let's get to it. To it. All right, so, yeah, so what we're going to do this week is today we're looking at how to draft in a head-to-head league mainly, but more how do you execute snake draft strategy? What are the things that you need to go about? We've done an auction draft show. We've done a points league show. This is more for snake, uh, snake drafts, head-to-head and rotisserie, the things that you need to pay attention to and how to execute one of these drafts. So next uh, tomorrow we're doing uh, over-under win totals. We are doing a preseason news pod. We're doing a statistical scarcity. A lot of people ask for that in today's show. We're going to be doing a whole show, me and Matt Smith, talking about statistical uh, and categorical scarcity later on in the week as well to help you prepare for your drafts. But today we're talking about the process of how to draft in a snake draft. You would have heard me talk about certain things in the mock drafts. Uh, I'm going to try and break that down for you a little bit more in today's show to try and show you the best way to execute a, uh, a snake draft with your fantasy basketball drafts coming up. All right. The first thing I want to talk about is rankings. Now, this is something that is uh, it gets asked to me all the time. Josh, can you rank these three guys? Josh, someone uh, someone even sent me a message on Instagram the other day. Josh, can you just uh, uh, rank your top 100 guys in the NBA? No, I can't. Simple as that. And rankings is something that gets thrown out all the time. One thing I do have to mention off the top is if you when you are a member of Basketball Monster, you will see in the menus there are a couple of things that that appear there. In the tools menu, the first thing that drops down is player rankings. And I cannot stress this enough. Player rankings are ranking players on things that have already happened. It is not a projection. So when you look at the rankings, what you'll see from now is the numbers that these guys put up last season and ranked. That is what it is. It is not moving forward. So when we talk about rankings, we have rankings versus projections. What you want to be looking at are projections and how the numbers project. And that is under the member tools menu over on Basketball Monster. And the first option that comes up there is projections. So in terms of rankings, when you look at these things, and I've got this here, rankings and Z scores or Z scores or standard scores, however you want to use that term. That is how we derive value in a categories league to work out where a player sits. But having the 20th best guy versus the 21st best guy in terms of rankings or overall value, it means as close to jack shit as possible. Because what it does is, if you don't know what a a Z score is or a standard score is, 
It's a commonly used statistical measurement that tells you how far away one number is in terms of standard deviations from the average of that, uh, that sample number. So if you have a Z score of two in the points category for fantasy basketball, it means that that guy's average point score is two standard deviations away from the average. And say the average is 15 and the standard deviation is three. These are numbers that I'm making up, but say that's what it is. A Z score of two means that your player averages 21 points in the points category. Two standard deviations, standard deviation of three, 15 plus 3 is 18, plus 3 is 21. So your Z score of 2 in the points category puts you at 21 points per game. So why do we use Z scores when trying to, to measure these things out? Well, as you know, each of the categories, the standard categories, points, threes, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, and percentages, and turnovers, they, they arrive in different volumes. A player scores 20 points. He has 7 rebounds. He has 4 assists. Now, is the guy that has 20 points, are those 20 points more valuable? No, because you're comparing points to points. So how do you compare points to rebounds and points uh, rebounds to assists and to steals when they're lower volume? That's why standard scores come in. It compares every number to the average in that single category. So if someone has a Z score of 2 in points, that means they're averaging 21 points by our example, but a Z score in steals might be 1.5, 1.8. And that obviously doesn't equate, but it shows you that a guy scoring 21 points per game is statistically equivalent to someone averaging 1.8 steals or averaging six assists or eight assists or averaging 12 rebounds. Shows you how you can compare all those things across categories by showing just how far away or how much of an outlier this guy's production is versus the average in that category. When you get to percentages, the percentages aren't just, well, the average is 78 and my guy shoots 86 and that's two standard deviations away. It is done based on volume because volume has an impact in these rate categories. So it's based on field goal attempted and free throws attempted and free throws made and Z scores of those combined categories and, and added and subtracted to get that overall Z score number. It is not about just a percentage. Someone like Tyler Hero might shoot 95% from the line, but if he takes one attempt per game, it's not as valuable as James Harden's 86% on 13 attempts per game because that has such a bigger influence in that category. Same as Lonzo Ball shooting 40% from the line on two attempts per game versus Andre Drummond shooting 60% on nine attempts per game, for example. That 9%, because it's under average, brings you right down more than, say, 40% on one attempt per game. That Those are things that are important. So... This is how rankings are made up. So when we're looking back at last season's numbers, we're looking back at players' Z scores across each of the each of the categories. They're added up, they're averaged, and then that number is then put next to their name and yeah, put in a list, and then a number gets assigned to them as an overall ranking number. I'll get back to talking about that in just uh, just a second. But first of all, just quickly, today's show is brought to you by Indochino, the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering Locked On at checkout. So if that's the way we're looking at rankings, it's also the way that those numbers come up when you're looking at projections over on Basketball Monster. We look at how we project everyone's stat averages across all those categories and any other category you want. Three-point percentage, two-point percentage, offensive rebounds, personal fouls, assist turnover ratio. We project all those numbers out and then everything is given a Z score, added up and average, and that's where that initial rank comes in. So we've got you know uh, Yanni Atatokounmpo ranked fifth and Carl Anthony Towns ranked fourth and Jimmy Butler ranked 
wherever he's ranked, you're 19th and Siakam at 37th. But overall, these rank numbers, they don't mean anything. And I'll stress this to you all the time. If you come in and you ask me a question, have you got a rankings list? Rank these guys. I need a rankings list to head into my draft. You will lose your draft. You will. It is as simple as that. You might as well go on and get your rankings list, throw 150 guys into your queue in your rankings list order, piss off down the pub and have a beer and let auto draft take it over for you. Because if you're just drafting off a rankings list, you are doing it 100% wrong. And the reason is, I say that, I can look look through my projections here and find two guys that have the exact same Z score number, so therefore theoretically the same rank. And the two guys I'm looking at here, Kemba Walker and Luka Doncic, who come in at 26 and 27 overall in this setup that that I'm looking at at the moment. But of course, though that overall Z score number of 0.37 and an average of all their numbers and their rank is achieved in remarkably different ways. We look at these guys. So Kemba, I think Doncic is probably going to score a little bit more. Kemba hits more threes. But then you go, who's going to get more rebounds? Well, Doncic is going to get a shitload more. Who's going to get more assists? Probably Doncic. Their defensive numbers? Probably similar. Free throw percentage, that goes way into Kemba Walker's favor. Field goal percentage, it probably goes in Kemba's favor as well. And that one isn't as much uh, illustrative as some other ones are because those guys both play the same position. Let's look at Zach Levine and Kristaps Porzingis, Porzingis, who come in at a, at a same overall average Z score. Now we assume that Levine is going to hit more threes. He's going to score more points. He's going to get fewer rebounds, way more assists, and significantly fewer blocks. And the differences in their percentages. But overall, their ranking or their value is the same. So when you say overall value in a vacuum, it means nothing and it is doing you a disservice if I give you an answer there. Because if you want Levine or if you want Porzingis, it is completely different as to how you are building up your team. And that's why this pod with Matt Smith is going to be pretty instructive in terms of looking at the value of these numbers. So it's not about coming in and drafting these guys based on a rank. Because on a rank, Porzingis and Levine are exactly identical to each other in that overall value. But it means nothing to you. Because if you are punting blocks or you've already got a shitload of blocks because you drafted Mitchie Robinson and Anthony Davis with your first two picks or Gobert or whoever it is, then maybe Porzingis' blocks aren't as important to you and you need Zach Levine scoring or you're punting points and then you don't need what Levine does as much. There's a lot of nuance in it. So when you're drafting, setting up a rankings list, it's bullshit and it is the quickest way for you to lose your league and lose your draft. Okay, so that gives you an explanation of that. Now, this is going to come up quite a bit throughout this show. Team builds. People are very, very... And I've seen a little bit of confusion about this as well. Someone mentioning, I'm going for an assist build. No, you're not, because that doesn't exist. That is not a thing. You can build your team in a punt situation, right, where you're punting assists and you're not caring about that category. And go and check out my punting uh, strategy pod that I did a couple of weeks ago, talking about where you're not looking for players who are bad in assists, you're just disregarding that category in a punt assist situation. So how do you, are you building your team? And, a, and a, a common question that people have asked here in terms of me preparing for this show is when do I you know, reach for a guy that fits my build versus grab a guy that doesn't necessarily fit? Now, a lot of the time, there because when you're looking at your definition of punting, you're not looking... It is important to note that you're not looking for bad in one category. You're looking to ignore it. And almost indefinitely, those players will have value in other areas. 
So when you say, oh, do I just grab the, the best available? Do I just grab the guy that fits my build? What you're more looking at is what, how is my team structured at the moment? Where, what am I needing? How are these stats looking in terms of scarcity later on in the draft? But what can this guy help me in? Hassan Whiteside, probably going to block a lot of shots. Your punting blocks and Whiteside's available at pick 75. All right. So and this is coming on to another point that I've got down on the video. You can see value versus team built. He's you know, available at 75 and maybe his ADP is 60. Actually, I probably should check where Whiteside is before I start spouting off numbers. Well, his ADP is uh, 69. That's great. Giggity. He's 75 on Yahoo. So let's say that you're sitting there at 85 and, and Whiteside's available and you go on punting blocks. That's fine. But do you need his potential 13 rebounds a game? Do you need his 65%, 60% field goal percentage? Maybe. There, and so that is the value that comes in there. But say your, your team sits at 40% overall field goals, which means you've drafted six Terry Rogiers. But say you, your team is sitting at 40% field goals, you're averaging 0.4 blocks per game, and you're at four rebounds per game. Adding Whiteside to that, which are there his three strong categories, despite it being value for him to be there, it doesn't actually do anything because it doesn't make you competitive in any of those categories. And again, the thought is, I'll just grab him so I can trade him. Well, he's fell 10 spots below his ADP. Do you think if someone wanted him that they wouldn't have just grabbed him anyway? Why is that trade value going to be there if he's already fallen 10 spots below his you know, presumed value? So you might be just drafting someone, missing out on a player who actually helps your team more so you can trade him later on and what get worse value back. I don't agree with that situation. But again, if you need those rebounds, if you want that field goals and it's going to make you strong there and you don't care about the box, then you take him. So it's not about, and when you're drafting in Draft Tracker on Basketball Monster and you're changing your punts over and putting in you know, I'm punting assist and a bunch of big men rise right to the top. It's not about, well, this guy's got an ADP of 70, but he's coming out as the 30th ranked player. That's not the ideal way to build your draft out. I've, again, I said a lot of this in the punt, uh, the punting show, talking about not necessarily reaching forward for one guy because his punt value gets pushed up into that. Oh, well, then I punt free throws. Andre Drummond becomes the seventh best player, so I'll take him, take him seventh. Well, that just eliminates all of that value you get from building that uh, build the, the right way. So... You're having, it, is, it isn't a, an exact science, of course it's not. It's not a, an exact strategy. I take point guard here, then center, then center, then point guard, then center, then point guard, and then I get this. That's not exactly how it works as well. It's about trying to accumulate value, working out the right categories to get at the right time and, and where these guys fit in. And you know, has there been a run on point guards? Shit, who is left that I can get assists on? I'm at pick 75, Rubio's gone and Shea is gone. And who is left? Who, Jeff Teague is the only point guard left that's going to get assists. I either punt it or I go you know, 10 spots higher than Teague. And this is another point that goes in terms of ranking values. If we look at their overall Z score value, you know, the difference at the top of a draft between guys, between Harden and, say, Kyrie, is a difference in overall Z score average of 0.6. That's a pretty significant difference. You go into the, the middle areas of the draft and between uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander for him to see a difference of 0.6, I'm going down from Shea all the way down to Dennis Schroeder at 106. And from 60 down to 164 versus from 1 down to 7. So things are very uh, spread out at the top and concentrated in the middle. So when you get to pick 70 and Jeff Teague's rank is 90th or his ADP is 91, you're at 70, you need assists. 
it doesn't matter. You can grab a guy there because the, the difference is there. If he averages seven assists versus 7.7 assists, he might jump. And it's 0.7 assists. It's not much, but he might jump 20 spots in overall value. It's about filling out your categories that you need and filling them out at the right spot. Now, I've got a note here that says positional strategy. This is important because a lot of people are basing their, their value off overall rankings or off ADP. And what you'll find is the guards go early. When you're looking, if you're not punting the assist category in those first three rounds, I reckon you need two guards. Drew Holiday, Trey Young, Devin Booker, Luka Doncic, Kemba Walker, Kyrie Irving, Bradley Beal, Jimmy Butler. All of these guys are going in that you know, 12 to or 10 to 21 range. De'Aaron Fox, Mike Conley. Uh, what other names have I got around that area? D'Angelo Russell, um, uh, Donovan Mitchell. Uh, who else are we looking at there? All these guys in that top 30-ish range. So you've got to get those guards there. You fall into the next run of players and you see the change in players who become available. Pascal Siakam, Zion Williamson, Larry Markin and Jaron Jackson Jr., Kristaps Porzingis, Miles Turner, Tom Bryant, uh, Bam Adebayo, LaMarcus Aldridge, Jonas Valanciunas, Derek Favors, uh, Mitchie Robinson, a whole bunch of centers in that four to five round range. There's a couple of point guards mixed in there. Zach Levine, Eric Bledsoe, not that Levine's a point guard, but he's in that area. And then it falls off a little bit more. Lonzo Ball, Ricky Rubio, Terry Rogier, Jar Morant, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Jamal Murray. All these are the point guards in this same area. And then you get back to bigs. Hassan Whiteside, Stephen Adams, Al Horford, Johnny Isaac, DeMontis Sabonis, Aaron Gordon. They're all in, the, in that one area. So it goes guards, bigs, guards, bigs. And then you get into wings, Kelly Oubre, uh, Kelly Oubre uh, Gordon Haywood, Miles Bridges, McCall Bridges, uh, Karis Levert, Fred Van Vliet, all in this same sort of area. I didn't mention Wendell Carter or Blake Griffin in that big mix as well. So then you start looking at your wings in that type of area. Joe Ingles later on, uh, Gary Harris, um, uh, Malik Monk, Kevin Herter, Nick Batum, TJ Warren, Terry Ross, Boyan and Bogdan Bogdanovich's. Um, uh, Brandon Ingram, Justice Winslow, Rudy Gay, uh, uh, Evan Fournier, Jalen Brown. You've got these wings in that range as well. So get your best player in that first round. Guards in probably round two or three, depending on what you did in round one. Four and five is for bigs. Five and six is for guards. Seven and nine is for bigs. Uh, nine to 11 is, is for, for wings. Or you grab another guard there, a Van Vliet, a Teague, a Beverly, one of those guys to fill in that role. And then you look at, at the wings in the, in the end of your draft. So don't panic if you want eight rounds in and you don't have a shooting guard or small forward. Don't panic. You will get those guys later. So that is the way I looked. And it's not rigid. It's not, you know, the, you must have this amount of guys by this time because you, your build can change and you can make adjustments there. You don't get those guards early on. Your punt assists. And again, that doesn't mean that you're just turning assists off in a draft tracker and only valuing um, yeah, the big categories because then you won't get steals, you won't get free throws, you won't get threes. You do have to pay attention to all of those things. The next thing I've got listed here is your guys. And I saw a thread posted on Reddit the other day talking about which player are you absolutely not leaving a draft without? And someone answered the correct answer. And the answer to that is nobody. Because if you go in with a set mindset is I've got to get this guy, I've got to have my guys... And that might be fun and all. It's also a way to lose. I've got to have Karis Levert this year. I'm at pick 60. Oh, what if he's not there at 75? Oh, I better get him. Like, why? So you take the value away. I, I love getting myself Kavon Looney late. But if someone takes him at pick 75, I'm not going to be pissed off. Because I go, well, that's a waste. That's fine. I'm not going to reach up on these guys just so I end up with my guy. Now, I might have a guy 
like Maximum Derek White. Maximum Derek. I might have him ranked relatively high, but if someone wants to come in and grab him at 75, then, oh, well, I'm not going to make that you know crazy type of valuation. Mitchell Robinson, if I want him, I'm not coming in at 20 to get him. If he's there at 35 or 40, okay, that's fine. Then that'll be okay with me. So you know, getting focusing in on your guys, I think, is not a great strategy because it will end up causing you to, to reach for a guy and, and, and I'm not against reaching necessarily if the stat set fits what you need. If you need assist and there's no one else around and you reach up for Ricky Rubio, 10 spots, oh well. But that's reaching for a category rather than reaching for a name that you just want to give the digital Dutch rudder to. That's more important. And then it also goes to the other side, your do not draft list. This always gets brought up, who's on your do not draft list? It's nobody. Hey, Kevin Love might be the 20th best guy on a per-game basis, and you don't want to take him there. He's sitting at pick 60, but he's on your do-not-draft list. Do you ignore him? Chris Paul's there at 45. Do you ignore him? The Italian cock, Danilo Gallinari. Hands off my cock! He's slipped down to 70, even though he could be a top 25 guy per game because he's do-not-draft. Do you do-not-draft him? I'm not drafting Devin Booker because he's going to get shut down, which you don't know, of course. And he's there at 30. Are you do-not-drafting him then? Going in with a must-draft and a do-not-draft list is a terrible idea. Now, Kevin Durant's a do-not-draft. Boogie Cousins is a do-not-draft. John Wall is a do-not-draft. I'd even say Clay Thompson or Yusuf Nurkic are pretty close to it. Victor Oladipo is not a do-not-draft, but if he's going at 60, I'm not interested. I'll have a crack at 110. Same with Clay in the last round of a draft, assuming I've got an IR spot. It's all about you know, making sense of what you need to do. The next thing I want to talk about here is weekly changes versus daily changes leagues. And this changes things, obviously. On a daily changes league, you make changes to your lineup every single day. Weekly, you set it on a, a Monday morning and it's stuck for the rest of the week. So there's two ways that this changes. Guys who are prone to injury or prone to rest, Kawhi's, Paul George, Joel Embiid, they're much harder to draft in a weekly changes league because you lock them in, four-game week for the Clippers, Kawhi sits out two games, you can't take him out and put your bench guys in. That's harder. The value drops. The other thing it does is because you're locking in a lineup at the start of the week, your bench becomes more stash area. It becomes an extended injured reserve slot. It becomes, same as in a Roto League, when you've got games limits, your bench. In a Roto with games limits versus a weekly change head-to-head category league, you can you can consider them the same way. Your bench is to, to stash high upside guys because, again, in a weekly league, you're not using these guys every day. It's not a situation where you've got Darius Garland on your team and you have to play him even though he might struggle for the first six, eight weeks, ten weeks. You can sit him on your bench. Your, you lock your other best 10 players in for the week and Garland just sits there. Same as in a row league. He sits on the bench and until he starts to become good, then he moves into your active lineup. In a daily changes league, you've got to use all 13 guys every single week. So if someone's not contributing, he's the 250th best player and that's happening for two months, well, you're in a lot of trouble. So that flyer upside, take Brandon Clark and sit him on your bench in a weekly changes league. In a daily changes, I'm not sure about it. There's a lot of that that goes on. Um, so taking flyers in a roto league, in a weekly changes league, is more important. Now, if your roto league doesn't have game caps, first of all, it should change it. Uh, but secondly, then you've got to treat that like a daily changes league because your bench, you're going to be using it every day to maximize games played. 
So you can't be having as many flyers or have both Clay and Nurkic and Oladipo, all those guys on your bench because then you've got three spots that aren't getting used at all. And that's going to cost you. So knowing the difference in your league is important. Now, I've said this, say this all the time. You have to know your league settings. What are your categories? What is your draft type? Is it snake? Is it auction? Is it how many players on your roster? Have you got a deeper bench? A deeper bench means you can afford a little bit more stashing as well. You, you, to know all these things is important. So, and that daily versus weekly change, it might seem like a tiny thing, but it is massively important in terms of draft strategy, trade strategy, uh, waiver acquisition strategy. It is very important because it changes the sort of guys you can keep on there versus the guys that you can take in in trades and where your value is. In a weekly changes league, yeah, you're looking more at the top 120 players in a league versus the top 150 because that bench can be just populated by guys you're not going to use. Maybe say maybe there's 11 guys you're going to use regularly versus 13 in a daily changes league. That is important to note as well. Next point I want to talk about is percentage fluctuation. Kyle McEwen of Basketball Monster often goes with a head-to-head category league punt situation of punting both percentages. And people will say, that's counterintuitive. Because if I'm punting free throws, that means it brings my big men into play more, but then you're taking away one of their strengths in field goal percentage. And the reason why Kyle does this is he just tries to focus on bludgeoning you with volume, streaming guys in to get the positive counting stats. And someone, and I've been saying this for a while, that these categories are the most fluctuating day-to-day. In a three-game sample across a week, someone might have a bad shooting week and go three for 10, three for 10, four for 12. When they're normally a 50% field goal guy and you're rooted. Same as free throws. You might have these weird free throw nights, which happens across a three-game sample, which over an 82-game sample in a Roto League makes no difference because those percentages are more important and they stabilize over the course of the season. If they have a hot streak and a cold streak, it doesn't matter because it balances out. In a head-to-head league, that's key. So I like to punt at least one percentage nearly every time because there's so much variation there. Now, sometimes the percentages can be good because it does give you an advantage if you are at a game's play disadvantage, but it also may not. You'd have to be really highly insulated in those categories to allow that to happen. And someone gave me a great example of this, and I, I apologize, I don't remember the person who provided me this example, but it highly or it very clearly illustrates the point that I'm trying to make here. If you draft James Harden, okay, who is elite in free throw percentage, and he might give you nine of 10 from the free throw line, 90%, that's great. League average is about 78%. So in that, what that means in terms of Z score value, anything over 78% is a positive. Anything under is a negative in that category. It gives you negative Z score. So Harden gives you 9 of 10. That's great. He gives you 8 of 10. Great. What if he has one of those weird nights where he goes 7 of 15? And he still gets the 7 points. He still gets the line off, but he, has that, he occasionally has them. He will have these weird nights where he goes 7 of 15, or even 7 of 10. 9 of 10, 90%. Great. High volume. Fantastic. 7 of 10 is 70%, and that is below average, and that brings you down in your overall field goal, especially when your other guys are taking two attempts or three attempts. Yeah, Harden has a big influence there, and that, that's a big negative in terms of uh, overall Z score. But how often will Harden go out there, and he'll have a big game, he'll score 40, and he'll score 30, and he'll give 30, 30, 30, 30. But when does, he never goes out there and gives you seven points. He doesn't go out there and give you 12 points. Here's a bad night. He gives you 24, 25. So the variance in those numbers, Chris Paul I'll use for example, he'll give you 12 assists, 12 assists, 12 assists. He doesn't go out there and give you zero assists. 
It might give you six on a bad night, five maybe. The variance in those percentages is a lot higher than the big counting stats. And the other categories that have a lot of variance are the small volumes, the steals and blocks. Mitch Robinson might have six blocks, might have one block. You have six points versus one point, or you know, you make it whatever it is. Like that, that variance is a big game changer. Steals, five steals. So a guy might average two steals per game over a two-week period. But that might say it's or say it's they might average two steals a game over ten games. That might be two five steal games and eight zero steal games. And if those two five steal so he goes five steals in one game, five steals in another, and then has eight consecutive games John Collins style without a single steal, well, that's great. Two steals a game is awesome. It's a, a plus Z score number. But that second week of matchups, you've got zero steals from that guy because it's such a low volume stat that you know getting one steal versus two steals is a massive variance. So variance is really important in your head-to-head change leagues. Let's have a look now. They're the main things I want to touch on. I'll answer some questions that you guys did have there. When to make your swing for the fences pick. I think you're looking at that after you've got at least your active lineup set, your first 10 guys, then you can take more swing for the fences type of guys. I think that's probably the right spot to uh, to have a look there. A couple of people asked this question, is punting still viable in a dynasty draft? It's probably less viable, but I still think that you can do it to build a, a strong team. I always want to go for that win initially in dynasty leagues. There's so many people will try and build for the future from the very beginning. So I think punting still is a... Um, uh, still is a part. And a question who's been brought up quite a bit about drafting etiquette. And you know, I've got uh, Jason and Roy going back and forth here on, on my Twitter account saying, Roy's going, well, I don't see why it's bad etiquette to mention a player's name in a draft room before they've been drafted. He equates it to the same as throwing someone out in an auction draft that you don't want to get them off the board. The difference there is that once you throw someone out in an auction draft that you don't want, that player is getting drafted. It is happening. If you're just mentioning players' names in a snake draft, that guy is not necessarily being drafted, but you are, you are actually bringing him to the attention of others. In an auction, when you nominate someone, you nominate that guy so you have full control. You throwing it out there to try and influence others, it, it is just considered poor etiquette to discuss guys that haven't been drafted. Same as an auction. Someone who hasn't been nominated, you don't want to go and throw that name out there and go, hey, why hasn't anyone nominated Derek Rose? You don't want to do that. But once they're out there, even though you don't want them, then that's fine. They're out there. I just think it's bad form to go and do that, to go and mention a player's name who hasn't been drafted, to bring attention to a guy that maybe, hey, you don't want him, but maybe someone else does. I just think it's it's poor form, and it's not something that I'm, uh, that I'm massively keen on. What other questions uh, did we have? Uh, McBean says, what about a bottom-up draft? He goes, it makes no sense, but it's how I prep. It's, I see what's available late, so I know what to focus on early. Well, that's sort of what we talked about uh, there early on, how you can get your, uh, your blocks sometimes a little bit later as well. Rebounds somewhat, assists can be a little bit harder. Uh, threes are available late. That is really important to know. So I think that's um, that's sort of what I, what I did touch on here. And most of these other questions, yeah, passing up on value for team build, vice versa. Um, that's what I've, I've been mentioning. And someone, this is a common question. Your first three moves, do you take best available then work out what to punt from there? No, I don't. Because again, if I've taken my first pick and first pick, I will take the best player there. That is what I do. But say I have taken, let's think of an example. Say I've taken James Harden with my number one pick and my best available, whether that's a pick one or two or three or four or five, my best available guy is Andre Drummond. He's best available, but then you just, you, you you're, League winning free throw percentage volume is taken down to league average by adding Drummond to that mix. So what's the point of that? So 
is Drummond actually best available? Yeah, because his overall value is better. But that doesn't actually help your team. So first round, yes. After that, no. It all becomes... And, and again, it's to do with the squishing of values. We talked about that big gap between your number one and number seven in per game value. In the second round, you might have five guys who've got the exact same value. So best overall value is a nonsense term that doesn't actually mean anything in terms of constructing a winning fantasy basketball team. Um, what else? Yeah, this guy yeah, said every, pretty much everything. Yes. Statistical scarcity, positional scarcity, the importance of usage. Now usage, we need to do... This is an important one. What is usage? Usage is field goal attempts, free throw attempts, and turnovers. They are the three things that are involved in the usage formula. It has no impact on rebounds, steals, blocks, percentages, assists. It doesn't actually... Now, it means the player has the ball in their hands, but that might mean they take a lot of shots or they're bad at assists because they throw a lot of turnovers. You will see this time and time again, guys who get a better fantasy dropping. People focus so much on usage at times. Oh, he's going to get a lot of usage. Cool. Dwayne Bacon's going to get a lot of usage. It doesn't mean he's going to get rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, or shoot good percentages. He might, but it doesn't mean he's going to do that because his usage goes up. So it is important to know what that means. Um, I think that's most of the things that um, someone said. I just want a bunch of the El Farouk Aminu sound drop. I can do that for you. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. Um, if players' penis size matters and where to find the sizes and links to images, in that sort of a category, probably I think you want to take Serge Ibaka, number one. And uh, Patrick Ewan still probably has a good contribution in that category as well. Um, I reckon that's probably going to wrap it up for today. That is just ideas of how to value um, guys, what rankings mean, how to, to get it all set up for your snake drafts, weekly, daily changes, all that sort of stuff. Of course, you can always hit me up on Twitter. You can also join our Yahoo Sports, Sports Australia Fantasy Basketball Insiders Facebook group. Already uh, only been out a couple of days and a bunch of people in there. Some great chat going on there. Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Subscribe to this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, um, YouTube. Thumbs up, leave a comment, all of that great stuff, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Damien Dotson.